So when I had time to take a step back and look at the work I made, majority of it, of it was of human figures and like facial expressions and portraits. And so I knew that drawing people was of interest to me. And I think it kind of happened naturally that I started to focus on women, going to a bunch of galleries and museums, both in Boston and New York, really not seeing myself in any of the work that was represented. A lot of painters and artists are male that are in museums. A lot of them are also Caucasian and their perception of women is very limited. On the final episode of season one of Well Fed, my guest today, I'm super excited to introduce Amber Vittoria. She is a freelance illustrator living and working in New York, and her work focuses on the accurate portrayal of women in art. Some of her collaborators and clients include Gucci, Ramoa, Adidas, CB2, Refinery29, The New York Times, Instagram, Days Magazine, Man Repeller, the list continues to go on. Amber, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. We've been trying to get this on the books for a yes. bit. Oh, thanks for being flexible with me. <laughs> <laughs> Super excited. How has your 2019, how's your new year been? It's been good. It's cold uh, in New York, but I got back last week from vacation in South America. So that was kind of nice to be in the warmth for two weeks. Totally. Um, but 2019 has been good for work. Uh, it's my, I just finished my first year full-time freelancing. I started in December 2017, so this is the beginning of year two, which is exciting. But yeah, pretty good so far. You, before vacation, you were also doing a little bit of traveling around the States as well, correct? Yeah, so for New Year's, uh, my boyfriend and I went to Miami, which is cool. I've never been there. Um, they have a really beautiful art scene. We went after Scope, but it was really nice to still see all the murals and go into some galleries. And then um, I went to uh, Rochester to RIT to do a workshop with their sophomore and junior students. So that was a lot of fun too. A it's lot always, colder than here, but you know, fun. Sure. It's, it's always kind of nice to go back, visit students, see what kids are working on, what yeah. they're interested in. It kind of gives you that like energy that sometimes, you know, you can use. Yeah, they were so excited. And um, it was really nice to work with sophomores and juniors because if, uh, I feel like at this time in the school year, seniors can be a little bit more stressed about finding a job or like, do I have to move home with my parents, which totally. I suggest if they'll, you know, if you can. So it was really nice sophomores and juniors had like this energy about them. I was like, oh, I miss college. So <laughs> it was really nice to uh, visit them. You um, you also published a book this or in 2018. Yeah. Or was it 2019? It's 2018. Me? So I um, I most of the work that I make is either like a one-off piece or if it's a piece that like lives on a product or is for social or for advertising. So I really wanted to force myself to do something more sequential. So I self-published this small poem that I wrote like ages ago. And I really forced myself to make something that was more of a collective. So hopefully um, in the next few years, I could work on books that are published with publishers. So the book is titled uh, With Beautiful Large Feet. Yes, which is me. My <laughs> I have size 11 women's, um, which I believe is a men's nine, which is great <laughs> when, I, when they don't have a women's 11 i'm like do you have a men's nine and they're like oh yeah yeah that's right we can correlate that um so i was very insecure when i was younger i was significantly taller than a lot of my friends obviously with puberty that like you know eventually kind of averages out but um yeah i would be picked on for being like kind of tall and awkward um 
And uh, so I wanted to kind of speak to that when I wrote that poem a few years ago. And then illustrating it was really fun, too. So it's leaning into, like, what makes you unique, both, like, emotionally and physically. What was the process for self-publishing? You said you wanted to work sequentially with all of your body of work. What goes into that? How do you publish this? What were you looking for partners? Things like that. Yeah, so I, it was more of like a, like a self-practice, just forcing myself to make work that lives like within a body versus a singular piece. Um, and then I've gotten a lot of uh, advertising projects that will come out in the next uh, few months that are like sequential. So there are six images or eight images where they all live similarly. And even though they tell their own narratives, they still look like a cohesive piece as a body of work. So I'm really glad that I did that project. In terms of publishing, I just used Blurb. There's two publishers, Blurb and Lulu. I've used both like in college and out of college from like my own like one-off printing. And Blurb is great because you can like attach a barcode to it and then you can um, sell it on Amazon if you want to. Um, but the nice thing is you can print like one-offs or like two or three of them without it costing thousands Small of runs. dollars. Yeah. So it's great for like experimenting or like self-funded or self-initiated projects. Totally. Before we get too far into some of your work, and we're going to definitely talk about that. Are you originally from New York? Yeah, I grew up an hour and a half north of here. Okay. Yeah. What town? Patterson, New York. Patterson, New York. So yeah. there's a Patterson, New Jersey, yes. which is more of a city. I've never been. It's more of a city. Patterson, New York is not a city. Um, it is. I went to Carmel High School. So that area is Patterson, Carmel, and Kent. They're all very small towns, so they all go to the same high school. I mean, it's definitely more rural. I would say, like, Westchester County is the county between Putnam and New York City. So, like, New York City is a city. Westchester is definitely more suburban. And then Putnam is where it begins to get a little bit more rural. Definitely more suburban than, like, further upstate New York into, like, proper upstate. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, so it's like a weird hybrid of, like, the suburbs and, like, farms, if that makes sense. I I read in a story that... You were in second grade and you were drawing a self-portrait and I believe a classmate at the time had said that you were drawing your self-portrait wrong because your arm and your le- your arms and your legs were too long. Yeah, so I actually have those. My parents are moving soon, so I was going through a lot of my old artwork. And Is that- it framed? Those are actually, so we had to do a self-portrait every year from kindergarten through fourth grade. That was my elementary school. And they would staple them all together. And when you graduate in fourth grade, that's like what your art teacher gave you. So I still have that. It's not framed. It's like rolled <laughs> somewhere paper under is my bed. Like just, just <laughs> yeah. turning to dust. So it's funny because it's like, it has like a hundred staples in the top left corner and then like the dates of each one we drew it. So yeah, I remember when he said that to me, it's like, no, this is how I see myself. And like, it's interesting because a lot of the work that I make today definitely references that extending of the form, even though now I do it consciously. <laughs> when I was like eight, I didn't. So it was really... It was the the first time that I realized that in art, you could kind of portray yourself how you feel versus how other people see you. Sure. Yeah. That kind of thought, right, that there's always someone that is going to say or potentially is like, that's not how you do it. Yeah. But that happens, I'm sure, today, you know, like in anyone's work of art, (laughs) anyone's kind of body of work, there's always the people or the voices that are always like, no, that's that's not perfect. That's not how you draw a face or whatever. Exactly. So it's interesting to see that you just 
at that point just ignored it and continued to do what you wanted to do yeah i was like come on man i was like i'm in art class only Dude, we're in second life. grade yeah i was like we have math after this <laughs> I was like, let me enjoy When's lunch my like 29 minutes or however long it totally. was <laughs> were you always interested in drawing interested in whatever it was coloring painting at that time yeah i always loved drawing and coloring and my parents started to take notice and there was a few free programs like in the patterson area like at the library and stuff and they're like oh do you want to take art classes outside of school it's like yeah sure why not so i took a few of those like free like watercolor and i don't know drawing colored pencil classes so at a young age i knew i loved it but I would say when I was probably like 11 or 12, I applied to a studio art program. So like our middle school offered high school courses, but you had to apply to get into them. Mm. And studio art was one of them. And I remember, you know, putting my three pieces together. One was like of a dog wrapped in an American flag. <laughs> I love drawing animals when I was younger because it's easy to get like, you know, from like animal magazines. And they sit still a lot longer than, than people do. <laughs> they do, <laughs> exactly. And then... um uh like two other still lives and my mom was like i was putting them together and she was just like oh would you ever want to pursue art and like that's kind of when i was like oh yeah that could be a thing so sure. yeah so you went through middle school taking these kind of accelerated courses you made it through high school obviously yeah and then you get to the point when you graduate high school um you went to boston university yeah you know, I believe you graduated summa cum laude. Yeah. Congrats. I feel like well, in an art program, it's pretty easy. <laughs> you don't show up and you won't get that. So. Yeah, make sure you submit work <laughs> yeah. and then you can kind of get through. Exactly. Um, what was the program like? What was what was uh, like, you know, going to school in Boston or being being from New York? So everyone said I had a New York accent, which I was like, lies. Have you ever heard of anyone do that lived in... you hear all of you? I was like, do you... Yeah, a, do you have the accents, people from Boston. And then um, I was like, have you ever heard someone that actually grew up in New York City? it's different so um that was pretty funny like when i first went to orientation that people were like you're definitely from new york and i was like cool i didn't realize the new york girl over in the yeah. corner there. and like a lot of people at bu come from outside of boston which is nice but there are a significant amount of people that come from like the boston metro area i loved boston it was a uh, pretty cold in the winters that was tough especially walking with your portfolio like flailing in the wind yeah um, basically just a sale yeah just kind of <laughs> you're takes like you. i hate my life why did I pick a colder state? <laughs> um, but other than that, I really love the program. It, the, at the time, their majors were painting, sculpture, and graphic design. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was 18, and I didn't really know like what type of artist I wanted to be, nor should you when you're that young. So I picked graphic design because you could kind of pull from different types of mediums and like put them together um, to tell the story. So you let the idea kind of drive how you're creating the piece. And that bought me some time to figure out who I wanted to be. Um, so for the first two years is pretty rooted in fine art practice so painting sculpture and printmaking and drawing and um, the last two years were more like typography um, layout grid structure things like that so yeah it's a great program I loved it yeah I noticed I mean it's I think if for anyone that would kind of stumble on your your work today and not knowing you before they would look at you and say you know an illustrator ha- have kind of qualities of a painter and things like that but you went through a design program yeah you, know, you went through and i think i looked at even some of your work experience you did design for a long time yeah which is kind of what um you know at what point did you when did the switch go off you're like eh, i don't know if i want to do this anymore it was like gradual thing so in school i was always drawing and a lot of my design work was very illustrative mm-hmm. um it's funny to look back at my old work i'm like this is terrible which is good i mean everyone makes shit work Completely. that's how you figure out what work 
works for you. But anyway. You remember back at the time, you're like, this is so good. I'm yeah. definitely going to nail this. You're like, this is going to make me famous. And you totally. look back at it now and you're like, it's never going to be famous. Our blogs, here I come. <laughs> exactly. Um, so a lot of my design work was very illustrative. And when I graduated, I got a, my first like permalance slash full-time job was at Victoria's Secret as a web designer. I always knew I wanted to freelance and work for myself, but I didn't know what that would look like. So I wanted to, you know, meet people like in the design world and like work full time and, you know, pay off college and things like that. So I would always draw on the side. So like I'd bring my sketchbook with me on the train. I lived at home for the first year after I graduated. So when I commute, I would draw. And then as I left Victoria's Secret and started working at Vayner, I started to do a lot more freelance. Um, I did a bit of freelance in college just for like side money and then like freelance, you know, nights and weekends when I worked at VS. And then that slowed down a bit at Vayner just because it was an ad agency and the hours were a, bit, a little bit more demanding. And that's kind of when I realized I was like, I love illustrating. I haven't done it in a while. I'm not doing any more freelance. Like, let me kind of pivot and bring that back into my life. So I started looking for different types of uh, full-time work and I stumbled upon Avon. They're mm -hmm. very like old school beauty brand. They're looking for a web designer. My friend Jay, she used to work at Victoria's Secret. She actually was like, hey, I work at Avon now. We need another person. <laughs> and she's like, and the hours are really great, like nine to five. Everyone's I, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, um, so I went in at like 8.30, left a little after 4.30, which was really great. That's pretty close. Yeah. So it gave me a lot of energy back to like start drawing and I had the knowledge from Vayner and how to kind of like leverage Instagram to put that artwork out there and mm -hmm. start to create an audience. And so with all that time back, I started to build that up, started reaching out to people for freelance work, built up my client list. And then a year and a half later, I quit. <laughs> and here I am working for myself. Totally. I want to break some of that down a little bit. <laughs> for sure. That's yeah. the like longer readers. The condensed, yeah. Of it. yeah. I could just end the episode. So you said you were doing web design at Victoria's Secret. Yeah. I can imagine doing like email blasts and things like that. When you moved to Vayner, what were some of the projects that you were kind of focused on? So Vayner, I, when I first went to Vayner, I was a designer and the brands I were on were more consumer packaged goods. Mm -hmm. So, um, like Quaker, uh, actually Pepsi companies, <laughs> um, Quaker, Tropicana. I'm trying to think CPG of what other, consumer, yeah. yeah. And then like a few like laundry brands that weren't associated with PepsiCo. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. And it was a lot of fun. It was the first time. I was art directing or helping art direct photo shoots and like working with a writer to come up with concepts and how that kind of lives on social. Mm -hmm. And it was prepaid for Facebook and prepaid for Instagram. So everything was organic and like sure. learning how to like grab people's attention without sounding too salesy. So it was definitely a shift from Victoria's Secret, but it was a good one. What were some of the, you know, you, you kind of mentioned it was very much about organic reach at that time. You know, what were some mm -hmm. of the takeaways from Vayner that you think really helped you leverage or start to build that foundation of getting, you know, your own freelance practice? Yeah. So in terms of leveraging Instagram, I, when I started, you know, researching people mm -hmm. that worked for themselves as illustrators, a lot of them had agents. And so I started to reach out to agents and no one responded totally. <laughs> or they didn't. They're like, thanks, but no thanks. Um, it's weird how that, like, you, I guess as an artist, you never think that. And then it just like when you get hit with that wall and when you, when you kind of arrive at that point, you're just like, 
damn, I can't even get this. Like, exactly. how does how does that happen? Yeah. So I was like, how do I kind of like walk backwards into becoming an illustrator? And so I started to share my work on Instagram and I was really fortunate. A lot of my friends would reshare my work and I would cold and I still do this today, cold email a lot of brands, a lot of publications to either work with or to write about my work or to do a podcast. Sure, yeah. And then that is kind of organic reach in and of itself and then at the end i'd be like oh if you could just put my instagram handle that would be great and then so i'd get followers that way and then when publications started to also share my work people would find me through them and follow me and then i try my best to respond to everybody Mm -hmm. it's tough sometimes you're like oh yeah i responded to them and you didn't but in your brain you did (laughs) um but you know trying to be as active on it as possible really helps to start to grow the platform mm-hmm. for me. So, and because of that, I don't I don't know how I feel about what I'm about to say yet, but because I've developed like a nice following, people I feel like take me more seriously as an illustrator sure. and then I'm able to get work that way, which is great because it circumvents the idea of um, an agent mm-hmm. and it democratizes illustration. Completely. I think, you know, social media is still too new to like really determine what follower count does to the psyche. Totally, so totally. TBD on if that's going to be a positive thing, but thus far has helped me kind of break into illustration without having to go through the traditional route. That's kind of interesting that the thought of what, follower account may yeah. do to the psyche it's kind of like it's like that makes me think of something similar in terms of like relatively new to how it affects someone is yeah. like on a completely different plane cbd right like that's yeah. a super popular thing right now and everyone's like how does it what does it actually do to you and like everyone's just like oh it's good just drink it <laughs> put <laughs> just, it in your coffee <laughs> yeah it'll make you feel great and then everyone's always like oh man i feel so much better and i'm like it I don't know about that, that. like a sugar fill? What is that called? Like placebo. Snake oil. Oh, yeah, Snake placebo oil. effect. Yeah. Totally, totally. When you went to Avon, you said the hours were great. Mm-hmm. It allowed you to kind of go home and still have a lot of energy. Was there any time during your time there that you were able to kind of weave in some of the work you were doing outside? Unfortunately not. So Avon definitely had a more of like a strict brand guideline mm-hmm. just because they were a bit older of a company. Um, they were at the time going through a lot of like restructuring and like figuring out who they were in like, you know, the 21st century and social media. But for the most part, it was more like my Victoria's Secret job, like web design, banners, things like that, which was kind of nice because I've done that for so long that I could go in and do that and then go home and like have all that energy. But I had never really woven uh, my personal work with um, my corporate jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the in the time after, because the hours seem to, you know, you get out at like four thirty five, you get home, you still have a lot of time. You can even like eat something, yeah, exactly. you know, sit down, <laughs> sit down for a few hours, you know, kind of get into a zone before you like try to go to bed before twelve o'clock. Yeah, exactly. Uh, was it just a lot of, as you mentioned, building that client list, cold calling or cold emailing, working on illustrations? Was that kind of the routine for a little bit? Yeah. So for my entire time at Avon, that was the routine, and then the reason why I decided to leave was because um, Avon a year and a half in they started to lay off a lot of people mm-hmm. and hey so that made me nervous <laughs> that always happens. yeah and then uh, so my workload started to increase a lot um, even though the hours were still very good in comparison to jobs that I had in the past it got to the point where I was like 
okay, people want to meet me during the day now for freelance stuff. And I can't do that because sure. I have a full-time job and, um, I can't like, you know, take a call on my lunch break anymore because I have to work through my lunch. So, uh, and then I started working later and later and later on my freelance work on the side. So I was like, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try this. Like I don't have children. Like I'm very privileged in the fact that my parents helped pay off a lot of my college, um, which definitely put me ahead in terms of I thought I'd do this maybe in my mid 30s mm-hmm. not my late 20s but that definitely helped so I don't have any dependents I didn't have any debt I had some money saved from my full-time job so I lived with my boyfriend which was helpful so like if I couldn't quote-unquote make rent like he would obviously be there to help me out which knock on wood <laughs> I've been okay so all those decisions kind of let me take that leap but I took, I spent quite a bit of time like calculating and making sure that it wasn't just a blind leap of faith into mm-hmm. working for myself. So yeah, so I remember I gave my notice. I gave them a month's notice just because at that point, I believe as like one of like only a handful of designers and I didn't want to be like, peace. <laughs> um, they were all really nice. So I gave them a month's notice and then I started working for myself um, December of 2017. So yeah. That date will be ingrained yeah and then a week later i found out i had a severe nut allergy (laughs) it was like this is great this is interesting you just go home and have a bunch of peanut butter and you're like oh wait i feel so bad now yeah i like had a handful of almonds and then i ended up in the er i was like well this is just as you were walking walking out you're like i quit yeah and then you took a handful of almonds Mm -hmm. and they're like you don't look so well right now (laughs) you need to go er which i'd say word to like those that are um deciding to go freelance from a full-time job make sure that you know like if you are to leave try to leave in the beginning of a month because you're covered through the end of that month for the health care which gives you yeah which gives you a few weeks to kind of either like apply for like loss of health coverage with another insurance company or in my case because i did it at the end of the year i could do um what is it called like open enrollment mm-hmm. for healthcare? so totally. that was my dad's advice to me so i like to pass that on because people are like i never thought of that i'm like neither did i and it <laughs> saved me thousands of dollars especially after eating that handful of almonds exactly um when you so you you make the step you get out of the er of course um <laughs> yeah the work that you were doing as you started off I, I look at your portfolio now it's very much in what i believe is your style very much your color palette you work in and the kind of familiar um, way of depicting the form was that the case when you started freelancing you know was that right off the bat you you started doing that or did you have to kind of bend a little bit in terms of what you were you're interested in I definitely had to bend especially while the Avon a lot of my freelance work was more design based Mm -hmm. um, just because a lot of the work I was getting from friends that I worked with at Vayner that now worked at other companies and needed a designer for like Instagram stories or like Instagram posts and then I would slowly try to weave my illustration work into that and if it didn't work whatever it didn't work it's still freelance and I get to learn something from it Um, but then over time I slowly got more work that was illustration in the style that I do now and less design work so was there anything that you changed when you were talking with clients or or how you represented yourself so I changed my website to be just illustration and I had like a um like a presentation of my design Mm -hmm. work that I would send out as a pdf if someone were interested Um, that way the first thing people saw from me was my website being all illustration my instagram being all illustration and I would specifically reach out to publications that used illustrators 
and reach out to brands that either have used illustrators or it might be an easy transition for them to use an illustrator for a project. And I would just kind of pitch that work in. And that really helped me slowly transition from getting like design jobs to getting illustration work. So it was very much also being proactive and seeking out the clients or seeking out those opportunities where you might have an easier foot in the door than say just like walking up to Gucci and be like, hey, hey guys. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The Gucci story is interesting. I like love their aesthetic. It's experiments with a lot of color and pattern, which is very similar to my work. And I, for the life of me, could not figure out their email cadence. And then (laughs) another artist they worked with posted on Instagram. She did like a huge collaboration with them. Her um, like moniker is unskilled worker, she painter. Um, And so they had like a launch party for her collab and she tagged everyone that she worked with. And I was like, gold mine (laughs) and like i dm'd like two or three of them and i was like most people don't check their like message requests on instagram so it could have been a lost cause and then one of their creative directors she did and she's like here's my email send me kind of like a two-page like summary of you and your work and uh we'll see if you're fit for anything and so i've worked with them twice on two social media campaigns so you know the dming can work emailing is always better but you know dming sometimes if you cannot find an email (laughs) you can't figure out that cadence yourself exactly so you were as you mentioned you you bent a little bit to start getting you know starting that that conversation of i'm an illustrator i'm not just a designer anymore yeah you were proactively seeking out the opportunities when was it that you started to hone in on your style of illustration or kind of your main theme that you've you have throughout all of your body of work so when I had time to take a step back and look at the work I made, majority of it, of it was of human figures and like facial expressions and portraits. And so I knew that drawing people was of interest to me. And I think it kind of happened naturally that I started to focus on women going to a bunch of galleries and museums, both in Boston and New York really not seeing myself in any of the work that was represented. A lot of painters and artists are male that are in museums. A lot of them are also Caucasian and their perception of women is very limited. It's Mm -hmm. either biblical because it's commissioned by the church or um, very maternal or, or very sexual. So I didn't feel as super accurate. Like it's a very narrow lens of how women were represented. And I was like, I want to make work that I could kind of see myself in. So Mm -hmm. I started to do that. And then I started to share it. I got really fortunate that other women resonated with the work that I made. So it Mm -hmm. slowly started to kind of take off from there. I think some of my thoughts is that you it's almost like you make a stand you you made a stand i think a lot of some other brands are starting to do this as well where you have this friction point or this problem and for you it's like i don't see myself in any of these works and anything i'm looking at i'm trying to learn from it's just maybe that kind of creates a barrier as to how you can relate to it or even see yourself creating something like that for sure and I don't remember where I first saw your work. I feel like it was Refinery29, maybe. Nice. I don't know. Yeah. But I think for me, it was just this beautiful, abstract portrayal of anatomy. You know, it's just like, I'm not a great drawer, but it's always nice to see a really confident decision in small details like a nose or, you know, hands or legs or even like when some of your images, the body kind of just fills up the whole frame. Yeah. And I think you don't see enough of that. I think it kind of goes back, it goes back to like, uh, maybe some people just have that initial voice that's just like, that's not how you do it, so stop. Yeah. But I think your work is very confident in that, and it's very refreshing, and then also 
the color palette for me is like oh, I use you. it for inspiration a lot of the time. Yes. Where do you find color you know, palette? Yeah. Info? So um, usually you look at my work chronologically, which is pretty accurate on Instagram. Not as accurate anymore because I will post things out of order from when I make them based on my mood. <laughs> but I would say that like I would start with a color palette inspired by nature. I like to go to like national parks and be outside. So kind of pulling natural colors and then adding a lot more like vivid tones to it. And then once I have a palette that I love, I start to like introduce new colors and then remove old colors and it slowly evolves. Um, so I kind of gave myself permission to make work that even if like five pieces in a row look similar, that's okay. Eventually it's gonna change because you're mm -hmm. a human and you change and you're gonna get tired of seeing the same color. So I just try to let it naturally evolve as best as I can. So in terms of, we talked a little bit about your client work, mm -hmm. but you also create pieces, uh, one-offs and things like that. Yeah. And you are able to kind of sell your work and produce materials. I think you've done clothing collaborations, yeah. things like that. For someone that is maybe in a similar situation, like an illustrator or a painter or someone that is looking to supplement some of their rent, maybe, yeah. or whatever, how, how does someone begin that process? You know, what are some of the steps that you take? So for me, I sell, I try to make as much work for myself as I can, um, in addition to doing client work, because mm. the work you make for yourself um, will inform that future client work. A lot of the times clients will send me mood boards with my own work in it. Most of the time I don't get a mood board. They're like, here's the brief. I'm like, sure. cool. But when I do get a mood board, it is of my work. So that's very helpful because you're informing your future self, if that makes sense. And then I sell that work. So I'll sell originals. I just put that on my site. And then I sell prints through Society6. Mm -hmm. They've been really great because I live in a very small apartment. Storing like editions and having multiple sizes of every piece that I make would be impossible. Totally. It would fill this apartment, <laughs> I think. So that's a really great way. And I could set my own profit margins on all of those. So that's been very helpful in terms of supplemental income. Selling smaller drawings too, like one-off smaller pieces I love to do when I'm traveling or if I have extra paper or if I'm experimenting with something it's been really nice to be able to sell that through Instagram. Like mm. I have people DM me and they'll Venmo me or they PayPal me or whatever is easiest. And then I mail it to them. So it's a really nice way to experiment without having to store all of my work. I'd rather it live with someone than like in my closet. So using Instagram has been really integral in me selling one-off pieces as well. Do you find that's a good way to kind of gauge a reaction in terms of what people are attracted to and like in the, in the personal work you know is there ever a time where you're really excited about a piece you show it on instagram it just like kind of falls flat but then you have that opposite kind of <laughs> um so i try so i try not to let the like performance of a piece sure. affect like i don't really check the numbers like mm. i'll check like i'll know when a post doesn't do as well because i posted it too close to my last sure. post so i know that's not because people don't like the work it's because people aren't seeing it and even if they don't like it like i try not to uh let that get to me because ultimately it's like my experiences that I'm putting down mm. on paper and I feel like that would definitely fuck with my brain. I'm like, oh my God, I didn't do well. And it definitely did <laughs> in the beginning, but now I've gotten to a point where I'm like, I don't care. So a good example is like with painting. I've been experimenting more with painting. I did a little bit over the summer and like even I keep that painting that I have over there. Um, but, I will take a picture of that oh, yeah, and, cool. and, and put it on the website because yeah. it's, it's beautiful. Thanks. I would say so like I did a few pieces like that and I feel like that's a good example of me caving into like the pressure of like what people would expect from me painting mm -hmm. 
And like, even though I loved the process, I was like, ah, it doesn't, it still doesn't feel like me. Like, so that's why I kind of keep that there is like, not everything you make is going to feel right. And that's okay. And that's the beauty of being able to sell a bunch of stuff and experiment. So um, I recently discovered, which is stupid of me, because uh, they've been around for a while, acrylic paint pens. Okay. So what I love about my work is it's part digital and then part done by hand. I feel like it very much resonates with the time period I live in. So painting, I don't know, it just never really felt like that. Paint pens kind of do. So I started, like I made all, you could take pictures of the smaller pieces behind you that I think that is more, that feels more honest to who I am instead of me trying to be a quote unquote painter. Mm -hmm. So I, that's why I keep that one around. Everyone's like, I love it. Are you going to sell it? I'm like, no, it's a good (laughs) reminder of like, you always need to experiment and push yourself out of your comfort zone and eventually you'll find yourself again. So totally, yeah, but I try not to back to your question. (laughs) I try not to let post-performance dictate if a piece did well or not it's very hard to very do. hard in, <laughs> theory, I, yeah, in theory i try to ignore it but in actuality sometimes I'm like oh man i love that piece no one liked it <laughs> <laughs> this is my favorite yeah exactly it's okay you mentioned putting yourself out there mm-hmm. stepping out of your comfort zone i kind of want to get into you know what you're doing outside of, of painting you know how, where do you find the time to relax and release yourself from you know, creating and things like that. You said you were recently traveling. I'm wondering if the whole time you're away, do you think of like, that's inspiring. I need to get that yes. down on paper and stuff like that. <laughs> like, what do you do? So a good example is when we went to um, Buenos Aires and um, Rio, I made a lot. I started um, like the digital portion of a lot of drawings that I'm slowly <laughs> starting to come out with. Um so yeah, I don't I don't know if I ever take like a proper break, but I don't I, my goal is to not put too much pressure on myself like oh you need to make a piece because you haven't shared it in a while. Like if I'm not in the mood to make anything, I won't. But I would say more often than not, I am. And a lot of the work that I make, I don't share because I start a piece and I'm like, oh, this is cool and I let it sit for a day. I'm like, eh, I don't really know where it's going. I'm just going to kind of put it in the back pocket. Maybe in a year or two, it will inspire me. So, I feel like I am always making, but I try not to force myself to if I'm not feeling it. Are there any things that you do to break away and clear your mind and things like that? I noticed that you tend to run a lot. Yeah. So um, recently I've been doing a lot of cycling. Um, I found out that like my... soul cycle or just like yeah, just at the gym. Okay. Um, it's a class, but it's not soul cycle. I've done, I did soul cycle when a while ago when I had a few free passes, it's kind of expensive. Anyway, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's a lot of money, but the music is great. Yeah, exactly. It's like you're at like a club, and, but you're working Attached out. to a bike. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting experience. Um, so I used to run a lot. I ran the marathon a few years ago, but I injured my ankle. I have, I just found out just like severely flat foot in one leg. So I just got orthotics. And so once it gets nicer out, I'm going to try running again. So I figured it's, I've been resting it for about six months now. So I, I like to exercise just to kind of not think of, you know, drawing. Mm -hmm. I feel like because you're so focused on don't die, (laughs) (laughs) don't have a heart attack, don't fall. I've definitely fallen several times while running. It's embarrassing. Don't break anything. Don't get hit by traffic. Don't get hit by, yeah. Don't get hit by a car. So I, even though that's terrible things to think about (laughs) while you're working out, it is a nice distraction from the fact that I do work for myself now to Mm. kind of take a mental break from my normal day to day. You've won a bunch of awards for your illustrations, for your work, but you've also are part of the Society of Illustrators and you won a gold medal 
uh, you were a gold medalist from from that, yeah. correct? Yeah. So I don't do the Society of Illustrators membership. I try to I experiment with a different membership a year because it's a lot. Yeah. I mean, all of them. Obviously, it makes sense. Like they, you know, they're well deserving of their annual membership fees. So I try to. This year, I didn't do anyone yet. If we'll we'll probably just skip this part. I'll just cut it out. <laughs> just totally cut no, it out. but I did. So I did. So the beautiful thing about all of these, my point being, like the beautiful thing about all of these, like different clubs, if you will, mm-hmm. is you don't have to be a member to apply for the awards, which is mm-hmm. really nice. I think that keeps it very inclusive, especially for illustrators starting out like me, where I can't spend hundreds of dollars a year to be a member, but I can pay one off for awards or one off for events, and I mm-hmm. follow them all on Instagram. So. I've been really fortunate to be able to win a bunch. You did Young Guns, uh, yeah. Art Directors Club. Yeah. So yeah, there is. Is They're it the cool. same kind of process? You're, you're, you know, applying for the specific competitions or contests, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, I've always. I get the Young Guns ones a lot, and I get the I don't get the Art Directors Club. I feel like I'm not cool enough to be in that one. <laughs> but is that kind of the something that you do also to get your work out there and and be seen? Yeah. So same thing with like becoming a member of like different groups. Um, I approach awards the same way. I try to only do like one or two a year just because they are expensive and like it is very much subjective on who the judges are and like how they respond to your work. So um, I, the Young Guns one I've wanted for a long time. I learned about that while I was in college, as most designers have. You're like, yeah. one day I'm going to win that. I keep seeing the new brand identities every yes, year. And I'm like, and they're uh. beautiful. I judged last year's and I won the year before. And it was really fun to kind of see the back end of judging. So for that one, I was shocked that I won. I applied when I was like... 24 and obviously I didn't get in I look at my work that I applied then and I was like woof that was terrible <laughs> but that's okay I mean it was cool I've never applied so you're already one <laughs> and uh and then I applied again for Young Guns 15 and I was like I feel like my work feels a lot like me like if I don't win that's okay it you know it's just an award but it was really nice to meet so many people that won that year and like friends of people that won that year so that was definitely the biggest plus the cube is cool it's over there i'll I'll show you later (laughs) cube is cool but the nicest part is like being able to meet other people Mm -hmm. that are kind of in your industry but they might be uh painters or they might be designers or typographers and that was definitely the best part for that one. Totally. You published a book in 2018. You are still working with a ton of really great clients and things mm-hmm. like that. Going into 2019, even though we're a few months in already, are there any goals or kind of milestones that you're looking to hit for the new year? Yeah. Um, one of them comes out. I know this will be out a little bit after. Definitely. <laughs> One of them comes out. on this podcast. <laughs> well, that's my fault because <laughs> I suck at scheduling um, with podcast things. I forgot what happened in January when we had to reschedule. I forgot what happened. Maybe a snowstorm. Or like, I feel like I got <laughs> sick. I'm like, stupid immune system. <laughs> Fucking me up. Anyway, so for this year, I want to do, last year is also a resolution to do more product based collaboration so having my work live on objects Mm. a lot of people that follow me are like i love your work but you know i can't like spend 100 or 200 or such 
amount of money like on just an art piece. So the idea of accessible prints is great, but also having my work on an object that someone can also use kind of pays off in two ways. They have the artwork, but then it's also on something that they needed. Mm-hmm. Um, so for International Women's Day, I collaborated with K-Swiss, so we're doing a sneaker. Oh. Yeah, so that's a few yeah, days. that's from, huge. Yeah, so that's a few days from when I'm talking, but it'll probably be a few months ago. So, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so that was really exciting. But for this year... Hopefully this year into 2020, doing more murals. I did a mural with Industry City a few months ago. Um, that was a really fun one to just kind of paint on such a large scale by myself. Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot from it. So hopefully I can take those learnings into more murals. But I'm similar to you. I don't like make like resolutions. Like I'll sure. make goals, but they don't have to be completed by the end of 2019. It's just like, here's a new thing that I want to do in the next few years yeah Yeah. it's Um, like we'll see i I think if i look back on the list that i've made for the last like three years always on there's like buy a place and i'm like (laughs) yeah that one's not this year either yeah exactly like soon and but then when you do you're like oh i did that like i worked so hard to get to that it was 10 years in the making yeah (laughs) exactly yeah i try not to ever put limits on it because i was just like oh man i'm gonna be real disappointed in myself so it's more of like i'm gonna start this goal and when i get there That'll be great. (laughs) (laughs) Could people find you uh, on the web or, you know, any events coming up in real life, IRL or, um, yeah, where can can people connect with you? Yeah. So um, my website is just my name, ambervittoria.com. The best place is on Instagram, which is amber underscore Vittoria. Highly recommend. Thanks. Two T's, no C. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like if anyone ever has questions feel free to email me find my email on my website or dm me i'm pretty good at checking them so yeah awesome thank you so much amber thank you appreciate it Thank you for listening to this episode of Well-Fed. This podcast is produced by me, John Sarantino, out in Jersey City, New Jersey, and made possible by all the amazing people that agree to be my guest on this thing. Music and editing is done by my friend Kevin Bendis out in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. If you have any suggestions for guests that you'd like to hear from, you can go ahead and DM me on Instagram at Podcast. Feel free to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to hear more stories from creative leaders, entrepreneurs, and talented individuals just like yourself. Or you can go to the website wellfedpodcast.com for more episodes. Again, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye!